You are listening to the Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Welcome back to the Quest. Quest for 100, number 94 on that quest. And it is I, Brian, joined as always by my friend on the other side of a Zoom again, Justin. How you doing, Justin? I am doing well. Uh, Brian, I need you to be honest with me. Did you did you think about doing a vroom vroom uh, at the top of this episode? Or okay. Were you, were you nervous that I, I butchered my you, my uh, Hot Wheels intro? Yeah. Okay. That that's what I was trying to remember what we did the vroom vroom for because I was like, I feel like we just did that, but what topic <laughs> is that even on? They're all just running together. I mean, ninety four of yeah. them. It it was like I know we talked about you know traffic before and i was like ah, it's not it's not been that long yeah Hot well it's kind of funny i was thinking the same thing and i was like oh well we can't i was glad i didn't have the intro because i was tempted to, to try the vroom vroom again again but yeah no it, it was actually only a couple episodes ago that we did hot wheels and um in parts it's like oh that's very similar but this is this topic today it was very different yeah. than a little toy car uh, we're talking real cars today. Yeah. 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 We're talking F1 specifically, but, you know, auto racing we'll, we'll touch on as a whole. Mm-hmm. So uh, why don't we just, why don't we just start off by unbearing the lead, Justin? What, what's your familiarity mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, auto racing and F1 in particular? Yeah. So uh, very minimal, very minimal. Uh, if I had any affiliation to any of the racing it would maybe be a a, a 0.1% tied to NASCAR. I've seen a race here or there maybe, but not to Formula One. Formula One has always been kind of a foreign thing to me. Well, it actually is foreign. It's true, true, true. No pun intended. So, you know, for for me, I I never really got into it. I never was into the auto racing. Um, I had people, I knew people that were. But yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I will say that um, in my research, I found myself being a little intrigued by it. There was some cool documentaries that I uh, was watching um, that uh, helped fill me in a little bit as I was doing my research. So I thought that was pretty cool. Netflix has has a, a pretty cool one. I'm blanking on the name, but I'll- Drive I'll to Survive. Up in a oh, there it is. The, the series, it. is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's a series. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, I, I watched that uh, during the pandemic, early in the pandemic. Oh, okay. And, and it is, it's fascinating. One, it's beautifully shot. Uh, yeah. And that is, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to put F1 onto this list is because of that series, that Netflix series. Because I, I didn't, I was with you, I didn't really know much about it and how Mm -hmm. things were structured and and all of that type of stuff and that drive to survive is is fascinating because it's such an interesting you know format that this racing competition takes like you know the number of teams is set Mm -hmm. and you know the way that teams are constructed and the amount of money that goes into these teams is also Mm -hmm. crazy 
yep. and and maybe you'll get into you know some of that money but yeah. you know the research behind it all and i mean some of these teams essentially are you're competing for a top five finish some mm-hmm. of them have no shot at winning yeah uh and they yeah, know no. it they know it going to the weekend yeah yeah. Well, yeah. And, uh, just in, in the couple episodes that I watched, they were talking about, you know, how Ferrari and, and Mercedes just dominate and, and you just kind of go in expecting that. And, and so teams just are competing for different things. But, um, I, I will say like this, while, you know, this is a sport related episode, right. And, um, we don't typically do sports this we we are viewing as a kind of an obscure sport though many would argue that it is not but what i wanted to say was that this is the type of topic that uh we did this podcast for in my opinion like something that i've never known about i never really knew about heard things about pretty popular i knew it was pretty popular in places and just learning about it and just i was fast i mean again the documentary is is very well done and in just two episodes I think the second episode where actually you watch some of the races and the feedback that are going back and forth between the teams and whatnot, I was enamored by it. And I'm sure that just watching it live is a different experience, but I, I I was fascinated by it and and it's intrigued me to get more into this stuff. I, you know, I recently started watching um, mostly highlight packages, long highlight packages of the tour de France and very similar experience where it's like, Oh my gosh, like there's a strategy to all of this and there's money that goes into this and there's different roles for people. Like it's just really cool. Like these sports that have been going on for years and years and years. And yet because of where we are and because of, you know, the enamorment of our culture with certain sports in this country, we just don't think about formula one. We don't as much, we don't think about tour de France or some of these other bigger sports in other places. Yeah. Yeah, and and just unburying my lead uh, on top of you know having watched the drive su- to survive, I you know before that I didn't really know much about it. I knew a little bit about NASCAR. You know, I I'd watch it NASCAR occasionally, um, but really didn't know much about it. And now I'm kind of hooked on it. I actually downloaded two <laughs> games onto my iPad that are F F one games. There's one oh. that's a manager game and one that's an actually driving game, and I'm just I, oh. I'm kind of hooked on the street racing style of it. You know, it's it's not your typical oval track t- turning left yeah. all the time. It's it's very quick reaction type of thing, and and there's a lot of strategy behind it because of really, I mean, how short the races actually are. They're they're not that long, so um, mm-hmm. you know that that's kind of where I come at it from. Uh, you know, the one I, I do want to uh, just kind of touch briefly on it since last time, because oh, okay. after after our last episode, we were doing some talking and, and you know, our, our expert last week actually kind of called you out because he was not an ex He was not asked to be an expert in one of our other episodes. Oh, yes. I almost forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, he he wanted to be the expert in our Dungeons and Dragons episode. Which Brian, do you remember which episode that was? That was uh, it was a while ago. Early, it was early on, I think. Um, but 
number 30 say, number 30 yeah, check 30, it out yeah. check so it out we it's had a good one we had our uh episode we had our guest on that show was our, our friend joe who i think did a marvelous job um the funny thing is though is that joe only recently in the last couple of years got into D, whereas scott who was our lottery expert uh was playing D back in since middle school and i always at the time i didn't even think about it i mean he was, he was my best friend and uh i but i was never playing with him on it mm. and so it was kind of like this silent it was like the one thing we didn't do together he had his own group of friends that did it so i kind of just blacked out that part of my memory about him <laughs> but yeah he probably would have been a decent uh a decent person to bring on for that one or or even just had a co-host for that but i i am still happy with joe i'm not disappointed i'm glad scott was the uh was our lottery guy because who else is going to be an expert on lottery that's true true yeah you, you in our world you can only pick expert in one area you can't be multiple yeah. you're only good at one thing yep and as soon as you announce yourself as an expert you can't be good at anything else the rest of your life you just have to be good at that not one thing. not on the quest not on our quest maybe the quest to 200 you know maybe somebody else's show but not ours yes yes (laughs) all right well uh should we jump into some uh f1 news yeah let's do it cool you're a newsman i ever tell you otherwise punch me in the face all right well my news uh comes from really i think it was last week that uh uh, this news came out, and, and it was pretty big news in the F1 world. So the Williams family is one of the big teams that are um, in F1, and, and mm-hmm. as we talked about, they're actually one of the kind of lower-tier teams that uh, just kind of make it by, and, and they're looking to finish in the top 10 to get points, and um, you know they're not, uh, not one of the stronger teams out there. But uh, uh, Sir Frank, Sir Frank Williams, is uh, the the father, the patriarch of the the team, and um, his daughter Claire actually both they they run the team, and and uh, Frank has been the team principal uh, for I think over fifty years, and um, since founding the team and. They have decided to step down as a family and step aside from their team. Mm. I mean, it was a pretty emotional time for them because obviously Claire having her father be the, you know, the the founder of this team. She's yeah. it's been a part of her life since really day one. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's, you know, a big step in, in both of their lives. Um, to kind of decide to to step away. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I as I was learning more about this, you know, it there's a lot of you know you mentioned it up top, like there's a lot of uh, money in this sport, and you know, so those decisions to step down, that's a pretty large. That's like, you know, NFL, like any other team, like if an owner were to step down, you know, that's a big big deal so um, <clears throat> I imagine people in the F1 community are uh, curious about what's next for the team yeah it's all, it's interesting because you know they call them team principals right like they're they're kind of the 
Uh, obviously, with the Williams, they're they're also the owners or founders of, of the yeah. team as well. But the team principal is kind of like your general manager, I guess is the the easiest way to um, structure it. Your your boss that's making all the decisions, mm-hmm. and but they're very involved too with every every decision and and um, you know steps during the race and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, Sir Frank is is kind of up there in age, and so maybe hasn't had as large of a role. And, and Claire took over that. Um, you know, kind of main team principal, but uh, it, it is still a big, big news in the F1 world this week. Yeah, that, no, that, that's cool. And, you know, sometimes with, with news like this, it's like, if you don't know the the world, it's it's helpful to have some context. And, you know, my news is very similar. It's it's It was a bit like big, like high level news uh, that actually happened a few hours ago today and um so today being one day before we release this podcast on um today being what the ninth anyway uh so sergio perez i don't know if you've heard the name and some of what you watched i've uh, played i've played the video games with him okay yeah so sergio perez has revealed he is leaving racing point at the end of the season uh in what was a shocking announcement released like i said a few hours ago the uh, Mexican driver said that the 2020 season would be his last with the Silverstone-based squad, despite the fact that he signed a three-year contract just last year. He added that he has no plan B uh, in terms of a drive for 2021. And there's there's wi- been widespread speculation that Racing Point, uh, which obviously is a, a team that we were talking about some of the teams here, and we'll get into some of the details on that, I'm sure. But Racing Point are there's speculation that they are courting Sebastian Vettel, mm-hmm. which yep. is another big name right now. Yep, who is leaving Ferrari at the end of the year, and they want the four-time world champion to join the team when it's rebranded as the Aston Martin team. Oh, next year. so really cool! Like when they shift over to Aston Martin, they're gonna want those big names. That would make a lot of sense. It's kind of like you know, a new franchise in a way um, you're going to need some, some franchise players for that or, or drivers in this case. So made a lot of sense. And, and just, you know, uh, as a pin on it, Perez was actually forced to sit out of two races this year after he tested positive for COVID-19. Mm. Um, so maybe there was a connection there to just how um, not, maybe not necessarily his health, but maybe his, his day-to-day and and um, maybe the team decided that it was a mutual decision to kind of part ways and let him lead it is, is kind of what I gathered from this uh, but he's been with the team since 2014 um, so he's been there for uh, quite a while um, so big 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 shake up in the F1 world today. yeah cool all right well uh, let's uh, jump into some dropping knowledge As we normally do, I am the history guy, and Justin is the stats guy, so we always start with history. And and first, before I even jump into history, I feel like I, I need to kind of set a groundwork for, for this this sport. Uh, so we have, you know, a, a set number of teams. There's there's 20 cars that, that can race in each race. Um, and so from a team perspective, we have Alfa Romeo, uh, Alfa 
uh, AlphaTauri, Ferrari, Haas, McLaren, Mercedes, Racing Point, Red Bull, Renault, and Williams. And so you have, you know, your drivers, and, and really there's only 20 drivers a year that uh, actually can do F1. And, and so it's a very prestigious thing. So you also have F1 and F2 and, and some of those lower level racing uh, in these leagues as well. Uh, one of the top racers is, is uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton, and he is just absolutely dominating this year. Uh, the big story actually from last week was yeah. that he got a big penalty and, and he went, he was sent to the back of the pack and he still ended up finishing seventh. So he, he basically came through more than half of the field after being sent back, back because of a penalty. So he is wow. just incredible. If you ever watch it, like he is just so much faster. The car that he has uh, and his abilities just are just so much more elite yeah, I- right now. I haven't seen him. I, I guess in the one uh, episode, he he was kind of in the background in terms of just he was in the race, but he didn't really get his perspective at all. Um, but I knew the name because of my research, and uh, we'll get into some of the stats around him in particular. But yeah, he he is impressive. So I want to I want to see more of his racing, especially if he's doing stuff like you just said. Yeah, and and you. You know, Drive to Survive really doesn't focus too much on the top-level teams. I think they briefly touch on them maybe in sure. one or two episodes per per season, but it's really surrounding the turmoil of all of these other teams. So you get the perspective of the underdogs, not really the top mm-hmm. dogs when you when you watch that Netflix do, uh, docuseries. But uh, and as far as total auto racing – the uh, the first auto race was believed to be in April twenty eighth, eighteen eighty seven, and it was uh, or excuse me, this was the first race, uh, and it was by set set out by chief editor of Paris publication Le Vassaped, which we talked about the remember the uh, Vasa uh, Vassaped, uh, the bike. That was when we talked about oh. bicycles. Yes. Yeah. It was yes. the Vasaped, I think. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a deep cut in the history part of yeah. the bicycle episode. Yeah. yeah. So that was believed to be the first uh, uh, self-powered race. And then uh, July 22nd, 1894, that was believed to be the first motoring competition. And this also happened in, in Paris. Uh, it was Paris to run all and there was 102 competitors and they actually paid 10 francs to enter the uh, the actual race the first uh, American automobile race was believed to be Thanksgiving Day Chicago Times Herald race uh, on November 28 1895 so just a year later and then one of the oldest existing purpose-built automobile racing circuits in um, in the United States that is still in use is the 2.5-mile-long Indianapolis Motor Speedway in Indianapolis, Indiana. Or they, they say it's Speedway, Indiana, because it must have its own city. Yeah. Is This is a dumb question because I, uh, you know, I'm not very worse in this, but the Indy 500 is that a part of Formula One? No. So that okay, that's NASCAR. Nope. 
Wrong oh. Ian. <laughs> well, okay. So we'll get into that. So um, okay. the the Indy 500 actually just happened a couple of weeks ago because it was okay. moved because okay. of the COVID. And normally it's on Memorial Day weekend, but it was moved mm. because of COVID-19. But yeah, it, it, it actually just recently happened. So NASCAR was founded uh, by Bill France Sr. on February 21st, 1948. And the uh, first NASCAR, quote-unquote, strictly stock race was held on June 19th, 1949 at uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. So actually two of the most popular styles of racing around the world are Formula One, which we've already talked about, and then the IndyCar series. So the IndyCar series is what the uh, uh, Indianapolis 500 is. It's the IndyCar series. So very similar, both open-wheeled race cars. Now, um, IndyCar series is based in the U.S., and it's technologically less uh, sophisticated than F1, and a lot of that is due to controlling the costs. So we talked about all the money that's thrown around in in F1, and really the lack of parity, right? And and you have these top teams who can spend a ton of money, and they're going to win every time. Whereas the IndyCar series has a little bit more parity because of spending restrictions and all that type of stuff. Uh, the the other significant difference is that the uh, IndyCar series actually uh, hits higher speeds, but that's really only because they compete on mostly oval tracks, while as F1 is a lot of street racing, and so you're, you know, hitting the brakes a lot and and making some significantly sharp turns, um, especially depending on on the track that you're, you're in. So the Formula One series originated with the European Championship of Grand Prix Motor Racing during the 1920s and 1930s. But by, by 1946, uh, after World War II, a nor- new formula was agreed upon and the first official F1 race took place on September 1st, 1946 with the Turin Grand Prix. The first uh, World Championship race took place at Silverstone in the United Kingdom in 1950. Italian Giuseppe Farini, Farina, in his Alfa Romeo, actually won the world championship, um, you know, in 1950. Beginning in the 1970s, Bernie Elstone, Elstone rearranged the management of Formula One's commercial rights and he is widely credited with transforming the sport into the multi-billion dollar business it is now. So the Formula One or F1 uh, Grand Prix events that happen, uh, they actually span the whole weekend. And so it begins with two free practice sessions on Friday and then one free practice session on Saturday. Then they have a qualifying session that is held after the last free practice session. And this session determines the starting order of the race on Sunday. And so that's one of the things that, you know, we talk about um, with the dominance of Lewis Hamilton is that he has just won, you know, tons of polls, especially this year. And really in in F1, if you can get out in front and, um, you know, be in front, 
it's a lot easier to race because it's it's very difficult to pass. So the the current qualifying system was actually adopted in 2006 and it's actually known as the knockout qualifying. So it's split into three periods known as Q1, Q2, and Q3. In each period, drivers run qualifying laps to attempt to advance to the next period, with the slowest drivers being knocked out of qualification. But they still stay in the race. Uh, and then at the the end of the period, um, you know, uh, that kind of determines their grid positions. So one of the interesting things about F1 is, is that there's actually a new rule that was introduced in 2016 uh, by Pirelli, the tire manufacturer. And um, there are three different uh, types of tires that you can use. Uh, and they really, you know, depending on what type of tire you select, that really determines your strategy for the, the race. So throughout the race, the, the drivers may make pit stops to change these tires or repair damage and you know you may have uh there's three different compounds you have a soft and a hard and a uh, wet tire and this really determines how long the tire is going to last and how fast you can run and how you know quickly um you can make turns Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and as i play my you know f1 manager game i get to determine which tires i'm get i'm picking and that determines my lap times and all that kind of stuff and so you have to have strategy behind it because if you you know say for instance you pick a hard tire um you're going to go slower but you can make less pit stops so you know that that kind of weighs into all of that and and then one final note that i have is that um just in terms of a distance of what the actual races are so you know i talked about it that they're fairly short you know kind of keeping under about a two-hour time limit so in the 1950s uh the distances actually varied from about 300 kilometers to 600 kilometers and then the uh, max race was actually reduced to uh, 400 kilometers in 1966 and then in 1971 it was reduced down to 325 and then finally in 18 or 1989 the length was standardized to 305 kilometers so 190 miles uh, th- some of the this uh, street races are a little bit shorter than that because you're obviously not able to go 190 miles um, in two hours if you're making a ton of turns and having to basically almost you know go to 20 or 30 miles an hour when you come around a a sharp turn or anything like that so yeah pretty interesting stuff lots of lots of information out there uh but hopefully that gave you a, a little insight into f1 yeah no and and it's you know it's a deep it can be a really deep topic and we'll I'll cover a couple of things with the stats, but again, like we we can't cover an entire history and stats and everything you need to know about F one in an hour, but but yeah, that that's it's certainly helpful for me. And I, I would encourage those who are interested in learning more about the sport to to definitely watch the, the Netflix series. But there's a bunch of other ones out there too. I think even Netflix has a bunch of F one Yeah documentaries and such too so yeah anyway so i'll kind of jump into some of the stats here so for me as as a 
I don't want to say ignorant, but that's a little bit of it. Like I don't know much about F1. I wanted to do a little bit of a comparison of F1 versus NASCAR, which I, you know, I'm a slightly more familiar with. Um, so a couple differences and some of this data has, has evolved over time, but um, this is over the last couple of years. So uh, you mentioned the number of drivers being 20 for the uh, Formula One. NASCAR is double that. So a lot more, a lot more cars uh, on the track with NASCAR than in Formula One. Obviously the different racetracks are, are different. Is it a um, set number on NASCAR? Did you know? For NASCAR, uh, so they have, from what I understand, they have kind of alternates that, that can jump in and whatnot. So it can be up to, I think, 44. So I don't know if it's like Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I thought there was it, it was somewhere between 40 and 43. Yeah, so NASCAR, I just was looking at this um, earlier today, but NASCAR recently reduced it in 2019 to 40. Um, so I think they're constantly evolving and moving things around. So I think as of maybe 10 years ago, nine to 10 years ago, I was looking at some data, they were saying 54 racers. So it's been reduced. Wow. Pretty he- That's pretty heavy re- reduction. But anyway, a lot less less cars on the road, obviously the different tracks too, which, which add a variety to it. I had to double check the speeds because the technology is changing all the time. But I was curious, um, the NASCAR cars can reach speeds up to about 200 miles per hour, whereas F1 uh, cars will, um, not always, but can reach up to 230. Mm. Um, that uh, A report that I read from, there's a lot, there's a deep report that I read from 2011 that talked about the max speeds being 205 for Formula One, so not much of a difference, but in the last 10 years, they've had some significant increases in technology to make it up to 230, which is just very fast. Car weight's a lot different, as you'd expect from looking at the body of it. So uh, they recently just put some restrictions on a minimum weight for F1 cars, and I believe it's just under 1,500 pounds um, which is like 660 kilograms in, in their metric system. But in essence, it's it's about 1,500, whereas a NASCAR car is about 3,400. Um, so again, more than double the weight, a lot of, a lot of weight carrying around there. The I thought this was interesting, pit stops. Um, this may change over time too, but pits, the average pit stop in NASCAR is about 11 seconds yeah. versus seven seconds for F1. F1 so, just seems so fast. So yeah. fast. Yeah. I mean, 11 seconds is still really fast, but can you imagine? I mean, I'm curious. It made me stop and think about if there are people that are on NASCAR and, like, that's the, that's just the step because they want to get to F1 uh, from a pit crew standpoint. Like, I, I want to be the best of the best, so I'm going to go to... because. Uh, if if you had a Formula One pit crew lead or, or group that was on NASCAR, you would think that that would be well. It's a different. Speed. It's different. different bodies, right? But, well, yeah, and and F one the way the car is designed, you have one lug nut for the tire versus I I don't know how many are actually on on NASCAR, but it's more similar to the number of lug nuts that you have on a typical car. So that's, that's really the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, I had largest fan base. I think this or largest fan attendance. Um, I think this is over a couple days. But NASCAR, um, as of a couple years ago, the highest was 182,000 versus 298,000 for F1. So mm, I can see that it being one day. Yeah. You, you don't think that could be? Yeah, I guess it could be. I guess it could be. I mean, um, these are massive areas that that yeah. you're talking about. So yeah, um, it very well could be with how how it's set up and see. the tracks and all. So, that. I think NASCAR's a little bit more limited because you have to be in a well track. Indy five, the Indy uh, Motor Speedway is two hundred fifty seven thousand seats. And they do a Brickyard 400 at the, uh, which is the NASCAR event that happens at the Indianapolis okay. Motor Speedway. Yeah. So I and I would venture to say that these numbers have increased over time, especially with you know just trying to monetize this as much as possible. But um, but regardless, there's a pretty big difference. Is kind of the point there. From a budget perspective, you know, we talk about these different teams, and I'll I'll jump into you know, a couple of interesting things with the team stats, but the, some of the top 20 teams usually have around for NASCAR have around six to $10 million. That's probably increased a little bit over the last couple of years, but six to 10 versus some teams in F1. If you remember from the documentary um, said four to 500 million <sighs> per team, we're dealing in totally different, worlds yeah uh it's insane there's, there's so much it's not even close it's it's, it's it really isn't uh, yeah in terms of the money that goes into these sports yeah i can't say that um, i've watched like any documentary or behind the scenes type of stuff of nascar but like mm-hmm. just to look at at some of the setups that these f1 teams have and like the number of trailers that they bring what are in the trailers it it's almost like they're just portable like offices that they bring to all of these races and then when you look at their actual headquarters it's like its own manufacturing plant plus Mm -hmm. research and development and all of that stuff plus all of the areas for the drivers to do all of their fitness stuff and their you know like simulations and all that kind of stuff it's it's just crazy yeah well and and you know i touched on this a little bit earlier but just the the amount of money this is the moment when i paused and i said oh my goodness this is no joke this is this is another level this is you know we we as americans assume that our our sports are superior that's just what we do and that's not the case here. No. It just as I'm looking at the numbers, as I'm looking at the stuff, that is not the case. F1 is significantly more superior. There's much more money there, and or at least that's the way it seems. And so, yeah, that was that was the big shock to me. Um, getting into some of the differences in so car cost, uh, a to build a car, a uh, NASCAR car. Um, could be upwards of one to two million, whereas a uh, Formula One car could be seven to eight million right now for a kit. Obviously, you can vary that, but that's a lot of money for for one of these cars. As you look at salaries, 
This is also crazy. So I'll, I'll, I had it the other way around, but I'm going to read it backwards. So uh, the top three salaries in NASCAR right now are Kyle Busch at 17.8 million, Jimmy Johnson at 17.6 million, and Denny Hamlin at 14.6 million. That is, is that per year? Their, per uh, year. That's per year. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty, you know, it's good money. Yeah. But, um, but, and that includes their, uh, partnerships sponsorship. and any, you know, sponsorships and all that. On the other side, you have in us conversion, you have our friend Lewis here, which we've referenced and I'll talk a little bit more about. He gets paid $79.1 million. Wow. 79.1 to ride for Mercedes. Sebastian Vettel, which we talked a little bit about earlier for Ferrari. He's getting paid 69.2. Wow. He's number two. Does that include winnings? Does it? I, I believe it does. Okay. I believe it does. Okay. So, um, so that's part of it. You know, you're winning. You're gonna, you're gonna get more there. Yeah. But those two, and then a significant drop off to number three, but still very high, is Daniel uh, R- Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. Ricardo, who is for Renault. He's he's a part of. Yep. If I remember correctly, yeah. he was part of. The he's a big, Dark big. Series. Yeah, he was at a different. Uh, for most of that docu series, he's at a different team. Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Um, so yeah, so those are the three significantly different than NASCAR there. Um, and then a couple just quick stats as we as we um, close the stat section out. So on the team side, the total wins, the number one team is Ferrari uh, at total wins of two hundred and thirty eight, but that's 238 of 999. So they have a win rate of about 24% of their races. Whereas the number four team, which is Mercedes, they have won 108. So significantly less than Ferrari, but they have won 108 of 218. So they win 50% wow. of their races. That is crazy. That is, that is, I mean, they have obviously Lewis Hamlin or Hamilton that has been dominating the sport the last decade but that is does why there's no very rarely do you find sports where it's like yeah 50 50 chance we're gonna win yeah like that's wow pretty good and interesting enough on the flip side there was a team called arrows um which i believe stopped i think they did it was 1978 to um maybe 2002 and for which i think if i correctly calculate is 24 years they never won. So for huh. 24 years, they 383 starts, and they never won a race. That doesn't surprise me after knowing about this sport. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all. Now, yeah. I would be interested to know if they ever put were on the podium because that seems like it's yes. a big deal. It, it And they were. They were. They, and that's honestly, that's the only reason why they probably were still in business. Yeah. Um, was because they were they I think they had a handful of second place uh, wins if you count that as a win um, for the podium and and that kind of kept them going but it wasn't a ton of them so still interesting like if you've raced for 24 years and you've never won that's that's just wild um, I, I don't know I don't know how you how you really I guess it's like the uh, a team in a sport that still operates but never wins like the Lions since the 50s or something like that 
but yeah, so and then the last the last sets I have were on the drivers. So total world championships, uh, the number one person is Michael Schumacher, okay. which I actually knew that name yeah. not very well, but I knew of the yeah. name because he went to IndyCar, um, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, that could be. Yeah, so he has seven world championships, uh, and his reign was between '94 and 2004. Lewis Hamilton is number two already on that list uh, with six. And his reign has been from 2008 to today, but, but his championships include 2019. And uh, he's been dominating the last, I think, what, six, seven years. So even the first couple of years of that decade, he, he only won once. But when he did win, he was actually the second youngest player in the history of F1 to win when he won in 2008. So I thought that was kind of cool. And okay. then total wins for for the sport, Michael Schumacher with 91, Lewis Hamilton with 89, and then a big drop-off again to Sebastian Vettel at 53. So we are, if you're trying to get into F1 and you want to see sports dominance, now's the time to do it because Lewis Hamilton is the one of the most dominant drivers of the sport of all time um, and maybe by the time he completes his career ever okay Michael Schumacher not in IndyCar okay confirmed well, yeah I think I um, I think I, I subtly get Schumacher and because uh, Michael Andretti is definitely mm, in, or Mar- Mario Andretti well yeah same family oh okay Mario was the father of Michael. Okay. So, um, I didn't know Ma- Michael, but I knew Mario. Yeah. That Michael and Mario were both IndyCar drivers. Hmm. Not F1. So. Were you sure Mario wasn't F1? I could have sworn Mario was. But I don't. That's that's uh, kind of a guess. Mm, um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you, well, why don't we're we just get spitting, into the friendship test? Lies. We're just yeah, spitting let's just, lies like, right now. Stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, let's see if they catch us because we haven't we haven't had anybody correct us in a while. So, uh, all right, friendship test. Is that what you said? Let's do it. We just become best friends. Yep. All right. So, uh, as I was looking up my, if Mario Andretti was an F one. Um, so for the friendship test, our first question, I think, you know, we could have touched on this out on the top, but and maybe we already have, but is racing cars a sport, Brian? Are we talking sports today or is this some, something different? Yeah, I, I would say this is, is a sport and I think, I, I just think it's a sport. I, you have to be physically able to do this i mean it's it's a long race it's not like a single like drag racing if we were to talk drag racing maybe a little bit different i mean that's reaction time but from a sustained mm-hmm. t- you know uh forces on your body it, it it i just i feel like it is a sport okay yeah no I- <sighs> I have gotten in debates in my past about racing being a sport and I was against it, maybe not passionately against it, but I just, 
you know, when you think about that and, and this can kind of lead into our next question too, which is, you know, do we think drivers are athletes, but you know, it, for me, it was always just like, no, like how I look at an athlete, they are in tip top shape and they are, you know, can run forever, super strong or whatever, like all these other things. And they're highly competitive. And I kind of use this like false sense of what an athlete or what a sport is. And the more I learn about this and, and as I get older and hopefully a little bit wiser, it, yes, it is not a traditional sport, but it is a sport. And these people are athletes. They, you know, yes, some of them can be a little out of shape and just sit back in a car and are super skilled at what they do. But a lot of these racers are in peak shape. I mean, I was reading some articles on how, you know, some of them are, are running triathlons and marathons and, you know, and just in the much better physical shape than probably a lot of other athletes are in other sports. So, um, you know, I, I have grown to think that yes, this, they are athletes and this is a sport while not the same as many of these other sports. It's just as much a sport as, you know, as they are, I guess. Yeah. And you know, you look at just the toll that they have to take on their body. I mean, you talk about the heat of some of these racetracks and, and how hot it actually gets inside the cars. I mean, regardless, they're not comfortable sitting in there. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that to me, I think is, is the breaking point to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Never, never IndyCar. Uh, I'm just having to confirm that he retired because he actually had a skiing accident uh, from F1 uh, and the Mario Andretti was uh, he he was in F1 IndyCar World Sports Car Championship and NASCAR so he did a little bit of everything well he did everything okay yeah. that's why that's probably why I knew him well or more better I guess um, just because he he touched a lot of different um, sports I guess yeah yeah, and uh, Michael Andretti, he also was in F1. So hmm. they, there you go. the whole family did a little bit of everything. Just Not just bad. so our listeners don't feel like we're just making stuff up. So what would you say is harder, uh, you know, the, being a race car driver or a jockey? Do you even consider a jockey a uh, athlete? I think, I think, yeah. I mean, if you consider a race car driver an athlete, I think you consider a, a jockey an athlete. Um, there, I, I think the big, the big difference here is like you're driving a machine, which you, yeah, things can go wrong. Definitely, can things can go wrong, but you're mostly in control. Whereas you're controlling an animal, which has a brain and can decide, you know to do something different even though they're trained i don't know there there's a part of me that feels a little bit towards the jockey side but i think there's so much at play you know and we'll get into this maybe in our next uh test here but with a with a horse race it's relatively quick and it's relatively straightforward if i remember correctly um, from the limited amount of horse races I've seen. Whereas, 
you talk at least talking formula one like it's i would give the edge to formula one race car driver and maybe the edge to a jockey over a nascar driver that sounds silly mm, no, but that's kind of no, what i'm thinking right no, now no why, how, why why would you say okay the one? fact the fact that a jockey the fact that a jockey can go through multiple races in a day i think sets it all up there is no way that well i take that back you could only do two races people have done two races and they've done the indianapolis 500 and then there's the uh, i believe it's the coca-cola 600 in charlotte that happens the same days typically and so you've seen some people do the indianapolis 500 in the morning and then the coca-cola 600 which is um they'll like fly down to Mm -hmm. charlotte jump right into another car so they do do multiple races sometimes but that is very very rare yet jockeys all of the time ride multiple horses in the same day and races but they're but it's not necessarily apples to apples like they a race may but a single race but we're comparing them to apples to apples well yeah no i understand that but like a single race maybe isn't the same as a single race. It isn't the same as a single race in a, in a racing sport. So um, what you may think is a single race for NASCAR or for F1 is multiple races for a jockey. So because they're just like short term, like quick, you know, do a thing and then come back. The longevity I would guess is probably less for a jockey than in a NASCAR, certainly in a NASCAR race and, and, and uh, potentially with a, a NAS or an F1 as well. So I don't know. See, I don't know. It's, I think it's for, just perceived. From a jockey perspective, you fit, one physically have to be small enough, like, right? That's, that's the biggest yeah. thing, right? Sure. From an athletic perspective, okay, maybe they're, they're, they're decent athletes. They're, they are. But they are. the athlete is technically the horse. Sure. The horse is who wins the race. Yeah, but you could also tell, argue tell me, that the machine. You could also argue that the machine of the car. Can you is name? Is can the, you name one jockey? Um. But but how many horses can you name? A couple. Secretariat. I got Seabiscuit C, C and Secretariat come yeah. to mind. Yeah. Um. And you they know, are fun to name. You know more. You know more drivers. You don't know who they drove for necessarily. What car, car they were in? True, yeah. If you go by that logic, sure. But I, I don't know. I think that's a little flawed. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I want to stick you in a car. Enough of it. I want to stick you I'm in a car. Growing, for... I'm still growing in my uh, my now s- switching over the last couple of years to think of these people as athletes instead of just sitting in a car putting their foot on a pedal. So maybe that's that's weighing me down a little bit on this because I think a jockey requires a little bit more athleticism. No. I nope. I don't know. As someone who's who's ridden ridden a horse, it it requires athleticism, but to Are you go a pro at it, Brian, I didn't realize. But, but to go 200 miles an hour in a car around a track and have okay. have to avoid other cars not crash i i think that's that's harder okay all right that's fair 
I was looking up how fast horses run. 55 miles per hour um, is a maximum sprint. I don't think you were going 55 miles per hour on the horse. You know, I, I can tell you a story about how a horse sprinted home during a birthday party of mine because we had some horses and it got spooked and it sprinted. So, I mean, for like two miles, this horse is sprinting with me on top of it. And I'm like like third grade, fourth grade, Ah. just terrified out of my mind because I don't know where the horse is going. Anyways. See, I digress. It's pretty challenging. It's pretty challenging. I had no control. I had no control. It wasn't me. It was the horse. It's difficult for the horse, not for me. Okay. You say so. Well, uh, getting back to the the true racing piece of this um you know we talked a little bit about this but formula one versus nascar where you're you have obviously a little bit deeper um involvement with with these where where do you stand yeah i the thing about nascar i don't like is is the oval the left turn Uh, yep any nascar game i've ever video game i've ever played i always want to go to the road courses uh, yeah. Watkins Glen, just to to drop a name, um, mm. is is a good one. I think there's a Sonoma. Yeah, I think Sonoma Motor Speedway, maybe. But then Formula One Forza is on. what's that? So get your Forza on, where you can just drive around the streets, and I mean, it's a little bit different. Yeah, but... that's that's street cars. That's not that's not. NASCAR. Yeah, well, it's not these cars, but it's still more of that yeah. vibe, right? You're driving through a city or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so that's why I like F1. Um, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't into it in, until watching that documentary, but uh, now I'm, I'm kind of hooked on it and I'll watch NASCAR. You know, I'll, I'll have it on um, and, and that'll kind of lead into our next question. But um, uh, Formula One has to be, you know, the one I choose over, over these two. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, again, I am not well versed in all this stuff aside from what research I put into this, but, um, to me after today and, and, and the research again, that it went, that I looked at all this, it's not even close. Like F1 wins outright. Um, you know, NASCAR, I've always had a, you know, a little bit of respect just because it's, it's a lot of people love it. And and whenever you have a really large fan base like that, you just have to respect sports like that. Um, but I, I never interest me. And to the same point, I, you know, I've made the joke before, you know, another left turn. Right. And it's just kind of boring. And I don't really see the appeal to it. Um, but in my very, very limited exposure to F1 through this docuseries, I was, enamored by it like it was it was there was drama there was you know turns and you know strategy you know obviously the strategy with nascar but just it just feels like there's much more depth to it and then when you look at you know the domination of some of these people or the money that goes into the sport it's just to me it's 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 a no-brainer i i i I didn't even have to think about it when that question came up um it would be f1 at this point yeah Okay, so what I want to know, though, is from a live sports perspective, where does, like, a NASCAR, uh, you know, because I, I want to know NASCAR because I think Formula One 
for both of us right now after watching those docuseries would kind of elevate a little bit higher in the sports world. But like from a live sports perspective, I just want to know where it ranks for you. Like if you were Mm -hmm. to say, I have no live sports on and NASCAR is on, are you watching something else or are you watching NASCAR? If you have some options of like baseball, basketball, you know, football, maybe some of the other obscure sports like, you know, lacrosse, um, you know, mm-hmm. some of those Olympic sports that we've talked about. Where where does NASCAR kind of rank there for you? Yeah. It's something um, you'd watch, that is. So I have a trait like many people, many uh, men in particular, but but anybody, where if a sport is on TV, I'm just watching it. Um, you know, I yes, I have preferences. If there's a better sport on, I will switch shift it. But if it's on, and I'm let's say I'm at a restaurant and they have NASCAR on, yeah, I'll, I'll look up at the TV and and be curious and and watch it, even though I have zero interest in NASCAR. So with that knowing that. Um, it still ranks close to the bottom for me, like almost not dead last, but pretty close to it. So what's I've last? Watched... What's last? Is baseball above it? I, I couldn't. Oh yeah, baseball's above it. Basketball's above it. Hockey's above it. So, soccer's above it. So the major sports. Football's are above number one. It. Yeah, all the major sports are above it. So then you get into some of the Olympic sports. Yeah, some of those are re- I would rather watch. You know, they're not. You don't watch them all the time, but. I'd rather watch that. I've watched competitive juggling, Brian. <laughs> competitive juggling more than I've probably watched NASCAR. Really? I've watched hurling. Hurling, which is a sport that we've maybe dropped a couple times here, like which is an obscure, very obscure Irish sport. Like I've watched more of that than I've watched of NASCAR. Wow. Just, so really it is like the bottom. It's it's probably the bottom. I maybe there's another one in there that just I oh Cornhole. I would have maybe 10 years ago I you could argue I had a, a disdain towards soccer and so I might have put soccer down there but after moving to Seattle and, and being a part I actually enjoy watching soccer now and I've kind of grown accustomed to that so it's probably in my top four or five but NASCAR is still down at the towards the bottom layer wow. for sure yeah I... so what about you NASCAR probably it may be above baseball it may even be above NBA basketball now not Mm. playoffs just kind of your run of the mill games sure Uh, if it if I am in the mood to not really pay attention and but I want some sport or entertainment on I I would if NASCAR was on I would put it on um, and I would put it on above See, of, above a baseball game interesting because I feel like the way you just described that is perfect for baseball like baseball is the perfect background sport for me where you're distracted you're doing other things but then moments will happen you're like whoa like, you don't want to you don't want to you know? see a car crash I love seeing a car crash. Of course I want to see a car crash. But that doesn't happen as often as big moments in a baseball game. I I love seeing pit stops, car crashes, end of the 
end end of the races. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they they like many like many sports. Honestly, I I could I could tune in for the last five minutes of a race. Sure. Yeah. I, that that could come down to the last to the wire. Or whatever. I I like the odds of that. I may choose that over some other sports, but to watch sit down and watch a full race it does not interest me with nascar now f1 yeah i'll give it a try yeah because that seems interesting to me but but not with nascar hmm. all right well let's uh jump into some delusional thinking someone gives you ten thousand to one on anything you take it one more time i feel like i'm taking crazy pills all right justin somehow we've talked for over an hour on F1 racing. We I have thought this that was going formula to be a sh- down for it. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a short one, but uh, so nice pun there, by the way. Formula. Thanks for noticing. All right, so today in our delusional thinking, you have the option to have a pit team immediately accessible to fix or adjust your car, uh, or any damage that might happen, any any repairs you might need. Or you have that pit team with the ability to fill up your car with gas anytime you need gas. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my question, my first question, and I alluded to this uh, off air, off off recording, um, was on the second piece. So is it literally like I'm driving in the middle of the highway and then I have access to gas when I need it? No. Or is it every time I go to a gas station, yep. they're like, that's my pit? Yep. So it's the second one? Yeah. Every time I go to a gas station? You have to go, you have to, you have to slightly detour just like you go into the pits to, yeah. to change yep. your tires or anything like that. And okay. then you go into a gas station and nearly immediately, seven seconds later, you're done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, my thoughts to this, and this is where my mind went. Um, there are two states that practically do this, and that's New Jersey and Oregon. Funny enough, the two two neighboring states to where I lived, uh, or live now, and and lived before with Pennsylvania, that will pump your gas for you. You pull up. They say how much you want. They pump the gas. You move on with your day. You sit in your car. You never leave. And then, you know, sometimes you tip them. It's usually pretty common to do that. It doesn't take seven seconds, so there's this, this is an advantage there. But the reason why I bring that up is, one, I didn't really like it. It, it You'd think it, it's a convenience, right? Like, you know, you don't have to worry about getting out. Maybe it's cold or maybe it's whatever. And they're going to take care of you. I and maybe this is just our society today, but sometimes I just don't want to talk to anybody. So when I pull up and I have to talk to the pit crew, or that, or maybe the pit crew just you knows. Don't, you don't but still, talk in seven seconds. You're I, not talking to them. I guess you're not talking. I guess so. But still, sometimes I just like the moment to just think about the life for that minute and a half that I'm pumping gas, or two minutes that I'm pumping gas. I don't know how long it typically takes, but. Um, I'm comfortable with that. And I, I did not enjoy, and I've been in both Oregon and had pumped and I've been in New Jersey and been, been, uh, as a gas pump. And I, 
I don't like it. I'd rather pump it myself. So I think my, my gut goes to the other one. Now, what I will say before I, I kick it to you is that the gas option is going to be used significantly more frequently. Yep. Yep. Versus this other option, which is just in an emergency almost. Yep. Um, yep. But I think I would still rather go with that because wow. if you've been in an accident, if you've been with a flat tire, if you go through any of that stuff, how nice is it to just know? Because I'm not a car person. So for me to have, I know how to pump a gas. I don't know how to fix things myself. So to be able to lean on someone, to be able to, in the you know, in a flash, right? Maybe I pull over to the side of the road and that's the pit, but I think that's more of a necessity in my life than someone pumping my gas within seven seconds. I cannot believe you went that way. I can't believe yeah. it. I honestly threw that second idea out there and I was like, eh, maybe it's a little bit too easy now because, <laughs> because there is no doubt in my mind that I'm picking the gas every time and, and i think what's your logic i think it comes down to the fact that so the way you think about it is one of them is going to save you a lot of time more infrequently you know you're going to um getting an oil change or major work on your car that may take a couple of days or or you know mm-hmm. a, a better part of a day is now immediately done and so maybe that helps you in that day. But I'm thinking pretty much weekly, I'm filling up my cat my car with gas. Hmm. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit less than that. Um sure. but but you know, two to three times a week or two to three times a month, excuse me. <laughs> just, two to three times say, a you month. You just went from once a week to no. every day you're filling up. Two to three times a month. And yeah. instead of spending the five minutes or whatever it might be that I have to, to you know, stop and get out of the car, it's seven yeah. seconds. Yeah. Seven seconds. And, and, yeah. and the amount of times that I need to go get my old change or do any of those fixes on my actual car are infrequent enough, even though I think from an overall perspective of how much time I actually am saving, I may save more time from the fixing part of it. Yep. From a convenience factor alone and a day-to-day lifestyle, the ability to just say, oh, I'm going to basically go drive through the gas station and get more gas. That The gas is such a pain in the butt for me. Like, honestly, I would... I've thought about getting an electric car just because. Just because you hate gas. I hate getting gas. It is huh. such a pain in the butt. I I really don't mind it. I I yeah. Sometimes it sucks because you're in a rush. Like when, especially those moments when you're in a rush, um, it definitely sucks to be like, oh, I got to pull over. I got to take five minutes or whatever. But I think the way I look at it too is, you know, if you simplify these options the first option which is the the fixing i think that's almost like an insurance plan right like it's going to happen most likely and when those big moments those frustrating moments happen you're safe but you're banking on those moments happening whereas you know for sure that you will need gas at a pretty regular rate Um, but i think just and honestly part of it could just be 
recency bias for me where one, I'm not driving as much because of, of COVID. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing is my car needs an oil change, but because I'm not driving as much and because I've just been really busy, I haven't made time to schedule an appointment and go through that. And then, you know, figure out the car situation. Like how nice would it be to just be like, Oh yeah, it's just done. Like I don't ever have to worry about it. Cause when it needs it, it gets fixed in seven seconds and we good. Yeah, like, but I just like that. But would you even say? Would you even say? Oh yeah, I'm going to fix that or get that oil change because there's no ramifications from you because you have a pit team if it does have any major breakdown or more major breakdowns because you don't have an you didn't get your regular oil change. So, so like you're you, saying that you may have yeah. more major breakdowns because oh why do I need to get it fixed right now from my pit team because they're going to fix it in the same amount of time when something major happens. Uh, I think I can learn. I think if I am, I am a, uh, and I, I know money is not a part of this debate, but I think if I have a convenience and I am aware of that convenience, I will take advantage of that. In fact, I probably will take more advantage of it than I probably should, which maybe isn't good either. But I think I'm, I'm more comfortable with that. Um, and plus like, just even think, like you said, the time you save, there are sometimes when the car needs to go into the shop and you miss you you gotta it goes in for a couple of days like i would never have that issue it just gets fixed it's good like we're all good put a new body on in seven seconds yeah but when your your uh empty tank light comes on and and mine's full because it's always full nah. who's gonna nah, be laughing overrated Hmm. Yeah. i'll pick you up when you're you're pulled over to the side of the road because you don't have gas your car will be broken down You'll have gas in it, but it'll be old and broken down. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's about that time. Well, well over that time, I'm sure. But the, uh, the I, Ryan, I want to just thank you guys. Thank the listeners out there for, for tuning in. Uh, we are cruising. We are 94 episodes in and closing in on that, uh, that, that, number that that big number of 100 our quest um so our quest the, is the, the quest is is nearing its its uh completion in in some way so yeah. uh but thank you again for for listening to this episode. i hope you learned some stuff like like we did i know I, I certainly did on on f1 and uh you know if you haven't already subscribed to us on apple google spotify wherever you're listening to your podcast um, and uh, throw some love on on Twitter at the Quest for One Hundred, on Facebook at Quest for One Hundred Podcast, and we're on Instagram as well at Quest for One Hundred Podcast. All right, until next time on the Quest for One Hundred. Mm-hmm.